0: Treats and dog training, why you should use it forever. Let's go. Okay, you guys, so in today's video, I want to take a little bit of your time to talk to you a little bit about why we should be using treats in dog training and why we should never get away from the use of treats in dog training. But before I touch on those points, I just want to take a moment and give you some context on the history of using treats in dog training. For all intents and purposes, when we're talking about using treats in dog training, we're talking about positive reinforcement. It's also known as reward-based training. Uh, but this concept is re- a relatively new one in the historical context of dogs. The use of treats in dog training didn't really be- get begin to make noise until about the 1980s. Prior to that, we didn't use food in training much at all. And there was a method of dog training called the Keeler method of dog training that was pretty much the standard of how we did training with dogs. And that pop that, that method and that concept is still well and alive today. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think we should be using treats for sure in our dog training or the use of rewards for that matter, whether it be treats or toys. But we should be providing as much motivation as humanly possible for the dog to offer up behavior in exchange for something we have whether that be toys or food, it doesn't really matter. Both can be very rewarding for a particular dog. And for those reasons, I wanna touch briefly on motivation when using treats in dog training. So when it comes to the use of treats in dog training, there's a couple of different um, factors that come into play in terms of motivation. We have our dogs that are highly motivated for treats, mildly motivated for treats and not very motivated for treats at all. Now, the dogs that are highly motivated, these dogs can be a real pleasure to work with. They will work work really, really hard and do whatever it is that you're asking in order to get the treat reward. And if they make a mistake, we can ask them again and they'll keep trying until they get it right. And this is really nice. This means that we don't have to use much uh, punishment in our dog training at all, if we consider punishment in our training, it means we don't have to use much at all. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And I've owned dogs that are highly motivated, mildly motivated, and not motivated at all. And uh, and so I can speak to this personally. Now, these highly motivated dogs, I mentioned they're, they're they can be a real pleasure to work with. It gets a little tricky when it comes to our mildly motivated dogs, because with our highly motivated dogs, it doesn't matter where we are. If we ask them to do something, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if we're at home, in the front yard, the backyard, up the street, in the park, in a public space, it doesn't matter. These highly motivated dogs will do whatever it takes to get the food reward from you. But as I was mentioning with these mildly motivated dogs, it can be a little bit trickier. These dogs have food isn't uh, everything to them. And there may be times where there are things happening in the environment that are a little more intriguing than listening to you for food. An example would be if we were out in the park and we were trying to do some obedience training with our dog, if there's a lot going on like The grass has all these smells in it. There's the trees, there's the wind, there's people, there's other dogs, there's people on bikes, skateboards, skates. All of this stuff is making noise and is genuinely interesting to your dog. And when you're out there trying to work on obedience with your dog, you're competing with the environment for your dog's attention. And this can get this can be a little challenging because now, now you're asking the dog to do something and something else has their attention and they're kind of blowing you off a little bit. They may be ignoring you. And so we have to spend a little bit more time with our dog and we can't ask that dog for as much as we could with our highly motivated dog. Matter of fact, we probably have to ask for things in increments and we have to work on building a bigger uh, picture in terms of the behaviors that we're asking for. So we may have to take up a behavior like sit-stay and we have, may have to break it down in increments and then gradually we put the whole picture together and this, this may take a little more time. And I've had a dog like this actually. I uh, have a dog still Uh, by the name of Big Mac, who was a mildly motivated dog. And he was challenging in the sense that I was trying to achieve, I was trying to compete with him in dog sports, mainly the protection sports. And when it came to the obedience work, if I was not providing a high rate of reinforcement with the treats, Meaning if I wasn't giving him a lot of treats for every little thing, I could lose him to the environment. And so it became a really um, difficult task to uh, get him to do a whole obedience routine for a minimal amount of food. That was really challenging, right? I had to keep the rate of reinforcement high and I had to vary it. And if I tried to thin that out, he would flatten out. He would lose his enthusiasm and I would start losing him to the environment. So he was a really uh, challenging dog in that sense. And I'm working in a competitive sport club and I have my peers have dogs that have higher levels of motivation than my dog. Which means they could ask for behaviors and they could reward less frequently than I could with my own dog. And this was challenging, right? It was tough to be around, but that was the dog I had. It it didn't matter what I did. I could not take this motivation from being mild to high. That just isn't the dog that I have. And we have to be able to recognize this with our dogs. When you get out into a public space, your dog is gonna tell you how motivated they really are for food when it comes to the environment. And it's just something that we have to be aware of. Now, we also have our dogs that aren't very motivated for food at all. And with those dogs, we may have to consider abandoning food altogether. And we may have to consider some keeler training. Now, to be fair to keeler training, back in the Prior to the eighties, it was pretty brutal to dogs. Uh, It wasn't fun for dogs at all. It probably wasn't fun for owners either, but it's how how things got done with dogs. These days, there are trainers out there doing a little bit of this still, um, but in fairness to them, uh, keeler training has softened up quite a bit. But again, it does depend on our trainer. OK, so if we have a trainer that if we're dealing with a trainer that that was training dogs prior to the uh, the 80s, they may still be a little heavy handed. But in fairness to dog trainers today that are not using food in their training, um, there are trainers out there doing that. And it's a much, much softer version. And unfortunately, there are dogs out there that we have to consider this for because the motivation for food just is not there. So, the big takeaway from motivation is the fact that motivation motivation levels from your dog matter, okay? If he's highly motivated, it'll be a lot of fun. If he's mildly motivated, you're probably gonna have to work a little bit harder with that dog. And if the dog's not motivated at all, we may have to abandon food in our training and consider some other things. Now, the next thing that I wanna talk about is the use of treats and food in our training as a form of currency. So, I want you to think of yourself as the employer of your dog, and your dog, the employee, and you're simply asking the dog to do things for you in exchange for currency. Food is your dog's currency, And it is the reason why they are wanting to offer behavior to you. And many times, if the motivation is good, they're going to do it in a very speedy and excitable manner. And for many dog trainers, this matters. How your dog looks when you're working with them matters in the eyes of a lot of professional dog trainers. So... Food as a currency can never actually go away. As an example, let's look at this from human terms. If you are working for cash, let's say you get paid in cash. The job at, that you're at just pays you in cash. If one day you show up to work and they s- no longer giving you cash and they're giving you food stamps, your motivation and your desire to be there may drop significantly and it is no different when we try to shift from using food in our training to maybe verbal and physical praise. From the dog's point of view, those two things are not the same. And the act of being petted for behavior or offering behaviors isn't as valuable to that dog as the food was. And your dog will tell you because your dog will start to ignore you Or they'll do it with less enthusiasm and your dog will be the one to tell you uh, uh, if this is a good idea or not but as a general rule of thumb in the big picture in the grand scheme of things your dog is going to be less motivated when you start trying to wean away from food and that is the that is the probably the biggest reason why we should always use food in dog training now It's not to say that you can't go from verbal and physical praise to food. You can probably make that transition if your dog is motivated enough for food, but you can't go the other way around. It's just not gonna work. And for that reason, you should always use food in dog training. As an example, I just met with a client recently and she was having a hard time getting the dog to come inside on verbal, with her words. The dog, if she asked the dog to come inside and there wasn't food involved, the dog wouldn't come in. But if she had food, the the dog was all in and the dog would come in the house every single time. And so it's reasons like that why we should absolutely always use food. Now, toys as a reward is what? We could consider this the newest technology in dog training, the newest technology in positive reinforcement and reward-based training. It's it's very, very popular in the dog sports, in competitive dog sports, but it's not so popular in pet training as a a big picture. There are some people that are doing it. There are some trainers that are doing it. But big picture-wise, we mostly see this happening in competitive dog sports. And there are a lot of dogs in dog sports that are very toy oriented. They wanna chase the ball. They wanna play tug of war on a piece of rope. And that can be very rewarding for a certain dog. And for a lot of these dogs, we can start with the use of food and then we can transfer to a toy. And in some other instances, we can start with toys and transfer to food. It's incredibly dog-dependent. Every dog's a little bit different in this sense. We're not going to really know until we kind of test drive these things. But the major point here is that toys can also be a very valuable form of reward for most dogs, for a lot of dogs. But the, but the desire has to be there, and it has to be there naturally. It's not something you can manifest out of nothing. If your dog has no interest in a ball, it's... Highly unlikely that you're going to be able to get that dog to love the toy. Okay, so keep that in mind. But the same thing applies when it comes to toys and verbal and physical praise. They're not created equal and it's not going to work if you try to get away from the use of toys and you try to switch to verbal and physical praise or you try to stop rewarding the dog altogether. You're going to run into some problems. And the last Thing I want to briefly touch on is the fact that when we're teaching new behaviors through the use of positive reinforcement, whether it be treats or toys, there's usually a high rate of reinforcement happening in the beginning to teach these behaviors. And then once the behavior is learned, we can start to vary our reinforcement, meaning that the dog doesn't get rewarded as often and we can thin it out a little bit and we can keep the dog guessing when they may get a reward. But if the rewards go away completely, (laughs) you're gonna know, your dog's gonna tell you and the motivation to offer those behaviors isn't gonna be the same. Those are the major reasons why it's a good idea to use treats in dog training or uh, toy rewards as well. That's all I have for you for you today. I hope you find this to be insightful. If you like the video, definitely hit the thumbs up button. Be sure to subscribe to us if you're not. And if you are subscribed to us, be sure to turn on the notification bell. We are doing long form content like this video, but we're also starting to get into the YouTube shorts as well, which are 15 second little clips and uh, I, I'm not really like uh, pushing those out uh, heavy in terms of like newsletters, email newsletters. Uh, those are things that are just going to be happening. And so if you want to catch those, make sure you hit the notification bell. Until next time, we'll see you. Peace.